All right, welcome into Dog Walk Talk. Uh, let's not waste any time. Jake Roos got some big recruiting news this week, and feels like every week we've got a lot of big recruiting news. Georgia misses out on Caleb Downs, and then what, less than an hour later, picks up a flip from the Nittany Lions. Tell us about Yazid Haynes. Yeah, Kirby loves to uh, offset that bad news, doesn't he? He's always got a little something there. And, uh, and he likes know, to do it at James Franklin's expense. <laughs> I wrote in my commit story that I don't think he's going to get an invite to Thanksgiving this year. I, I don't think James Franklin's going to be having Kirby over at any point. But, uh, yeah, Yazid Haynes, uh, a really talented receiver. You know, don't let uh, – this is one of those situations where you, you don't let the uh, rankings sort of fool you. I think that he's – uh, a raw guy uh, at the wide receiver position, but he has the intangibles that make him special. Um, you know, four three nine at Penn State's camp earlier this summer. Um, you know, six foot one, a guy who uh, you know I think he put down a ten ten in the broad jump. I mean, he, he's he's an athletic freak. He's a specimen in that regard. Um, you know, is he the most polished receiver that we've seen? No, I wouldn't say that at all. But I think that Georgia feels uh, comfortable about uh, you know what he is able to bring from that raw athleticism standpoint, and that's enough to uh, kind of sway their decision and, and uh, bring this kid into the class. And I, I think that anytime you can add a kid that fast at a premium position like wideout, uh, you always have to take that opportunity. You know, as we're recording this, it's right after the announcement of Caleb Downs. They did miss out on him, but. Um, kind of offset that with a pickup of uh, one of the best safeties in the class and Janelle Aguero uh, last Saturday, um, a top 50 player, at, no matter where you look, um, guy who brings it all and really was an important guy for Georgia to close on, especially with the feeling that Downs was probably trending toward Alabama. Um, Will Muschamp put in a lot of work on Aguero, uh, Kirby Smart highly involved there. Uh, this is a guy they've devoted a lot of time and resources and energy toward uh, when it comes to recruiting. So, uh, you know, I, I love what this kid brings. Go watch the tape. Um, a, a big hitter, a uh, guy who's rarely out of position, um, and, and a great mentality. I mean, came out afterward and said, look, I want to be the greatest safety that's ever played in red and black. So uh, Aguero, a, a huge get for the Bulldogs. And uh, like I said, just one of many in, in July so far. Um, you mentioned the safety position getting nailed down there and Muschamp and Kirby working really hard. What is the uh, approach from a guy like Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart? I mean, they worked together for so long, you know, going back to their days at Valdosta State. When those two guys are in a room with you at that position, it has to be pretty difficult to say no. Yeah, I mean – uh, you know, the work kind of speaks for itself. Uh, you know, Will Muschamp's worked with defensive backs for a, a long time, played defensive back. Kirby Smart, also a former defensive back himself. Uh, both guys have developed a ton of NFL players in the defensive backfield. So, you know, these are guys who know what they're doing, and kids recognize that. And I think that that's a huge appeal. I think it's a, a huge win for Georgia to uh, have both of those guys tag team. And like you said, I mean, you're not going to find two guys with much better reputations when it comes to developing uh, defensive players than those guys. And I, I think that their work has been important, not only in the defensive backfield, but, uh, you know, across this defense as a whole. I think Muschamp deserves a lot of credit for what he's done um, in, in a number of these recruitments. Uh, dogs also pick up Kelton Smith, um, interior offensive lineman, 6'4", 330. That's a big dog. Uh, even bigger dog, Jamal Jarrett, defensive lineman, 6'5", 365. Whoa. That is a lot of dog right there, Jake. And uh, linebacker Troy Bowles as well. I can't remember 
if we spoke about Troy last time or not, but that's just where Georgia is right now. I mean, so many guys are uh, committing to this uh, 2023 class. It's really skyrocketing at the moment. Yeah, I think we previewed Troy Bowles uh, probably the last time we spoke, um, but I think we recorded prior to his commitment. But, I, you know, that that's a guy – listen, I, I wrote a column on it earlier this week over at Dogs HQ, and I, I really started to sit back and think about it while I was doing my mock class for Georgia – you know, the work that Glenn Schumann has done in this class rivals pretty much anybody you could point to across the the entirety of the nation, uh, positional-wise. I think that, um, you know, to get Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen, and Troy Bowles, I mean, you're talking about three top 75 players, roughly, or top 100 at worst, um, in the on-three uh, rankings, and I, I think that you just don't see that a lot in this era of, uh, you know, NILs, guys switching things up. I mean, Georgia picked out their three top targets and landed all three at linebackers. So tremendous work. Troy Bowles, a guy that I love. Uh, another guy I encourage people to go watch the film on because you can see the instincts that this kid has. It's clear that his father is an NFL head coach. I mean, and, and you got to love that, too. I mean, that's a guy who can be a captain for your defense, uh, that knows the game inside and out, kind of lives and breathes it in a way that many people just aren't able to um, because they don't have that experience. You mentioned Jamal Jarrett as well. Um, another guy like Aguero, where Georgia poured in so heavily for so long. And, um, you know, really, really like this guy uh, for what he's able to replicate in kind of Jordan Davis fashion. I mean, he's he's legitimately a huge person. You can go look at pictures of him standing next to Jordan Davis. I remember I couldn't believe it, Ken. man. I could yeah. not fathom that much human in, yeah. in like one image. And they're both from uh, North Carolina. So Georgia's just getting all of North Carolina's biggest people, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Jam and Jamal Jarrett is a kid who, um, you know, has had Georgia sitting well throughout this whole recruitment. So again, another guy that felt important to close on, even more so after Sidere Mitchell chooses Texas. I think that, um, you know, he's a guy that they believe they can take and develop. I think he's still kind of a bit of a raw prospect. Um, you know, he's he's got his best football ahead of him in the way that Jordan Davis did. And credit to Jordan Davis for uh, his work with Jamal Jarrett because uh, they hung out a couple times while they were on campus. Um, you know, he had a chance to meet with him. And I remember one of the interviews we did prior to the commitment, he said, um, you know, Jordan Davis looked me in the eye and said, uh, come here and be great. And I think that that was a compelling message, one that stuck with Jarrett uh, pretty heavily throughout this whole process. Yeah, I mean, when you're Jarrett and you've seen Georgia lay out that blueprint with a guy that looks like you uh, in Jordan Davis, and you've seen how that can help you with your NFL stock, but also help you with your you know college career, uh, I got to imagine that's pretty tough to turn down as well. Uh, Jake, look, we're looking at I'm looking at Georgia's class right now uh, with the 2023 class, Georgia number three now behind Ohio State at number one and Notre Dame at number two. Still no five stars in the class yet, a bunch of four stars. If you could think, and I'm going to not totally put you on the spot here, I'll, I'll help you out with the names, but if you're looking at five-star guys that could commit to Georgia soon or you expect to commit to Georgia when they do, uh the, these guys that haven't decided yet, and I'm talking about, you know, James Smith, a five-star D lineman, uh, apparently picking between Georgia and Bama. Uh, Quay, is it Rusaw or Russaw? I don't, I don't know Russo, how to. Yeah. Russaw, uh, Samuel and Pimba. You know, some of these five-star guys. 
you know, if Georgia fans are really getting greedy about nailing that five-star in this class, uh, who do you feel like is the best bet? I think that there's the probably the two guys I would point to would be Roussel and uh, Impemba. I think that those are the two guys that they're really looking at the heaviest and probably the most heavily involved with. Um, you know, now if you land Roussel, there's a pretty strong chance that you sway things in terms of the James Smith commitment as well because they are teammates. And while package deals don't always work out at this level, those guys have been pretty clear that they want to play together at the next level and, uh, you know, have mentioned that consistently. So, you know, Alabama is going to be tough for any kid that's in the state of Alabama. I mean, you're, you're not going to have an easy time pulling anybody like that out. But I think Georgia's sitting as well as anybody else next to uh, the Crimson Tide when it comes to Rousseau. And then with Impemba, you know, that's another guy that Georgia has spent a lot of time with. Chadera Uzo Deribe has really poured in as well and, and made a great connection with him. Um, you know, Notre Dame's definitely a team to watch out for. He's a Midwest guy uh, playing at IMG, so that'd be a little bit closer to home for him. But the dogs, I think, are a compelling case there for him, and I think that they'll be a major factor throughout this. So uh, those would probably be the two guys I would point to. You know, the reality of it is, though, I, the way I'm looking at it, you know, Georgia is sitting here, what, with um, – 17 commitments. Notre Dame has 20. Uh, Ohio State uh, with uh, uh, 19 uh, at this point. Um, you know, they're sitting just behind Notre Dame, nipping at the heels of them uh, in terms of the score, uh, the average uh, rating for these guys. So, you know, Georgia, you know, you don't have five stars, right? But you're getting some of the nation's best four stars consistently. And that's really helped to boost their stock and kept them, you know, high in the team rankings. Now, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that, you know, it, does this have the potential to be the number one class? Probably. I wouldn't pick it to be right now uh, in this moment. But, you know, top three, top five, I, I think that that's probably a, a pretty solid bet at this point. Uh, be shocking to see it otherwise, especially with uh, some of the meat left on the bone out there. Uh, you mentioned Caleb Downs earlier and... Uh... I got the notification on Instagram that Justice Haynes was broadcasting live on his Instagram from the commitment. So if there was any doubt, I think that kind of, you know, gave it away because uh, Justice Haynes doesn't even go to the same high school as Caleb Downs. So if he's there, you got to figure that, you know, before the commitment even happened, that the odds were in Bama's favor. But since Haynes made his decision to go to Bama. Have you had any more time to reflect on, you know, what what happened there? Why, you know, this Georgia legacy doesn't go to Georgia? Or at this point, is the decision just, it is what it is for Justice Haynes? I think it's an is what it is, man. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. And I don't get this way very often anymore. You know, normally we've got pretty good intel on these things leading up to it. I think that one shocked everybody. Uh, I don't think that there were many people that had a great pulse on that. You know, it, it changed. It felt like within 24 hours of that thing that it started moving that way. I mean, there were hints of it along the way, but I think everybody was convinced that this was going to be Georgia's race to lose throughout for any number of reasons. Uh, you know, Pickett, uh, running back legacy, uh, a guy who, uh, you know, grew up in Athens, essentially, is, took more visits to Georgia than he probably did anywhere else. Um, you know, 
uh, great relationship with Dell McGee. It was a stunner, man. And, uh, you know, I think it was a big loss for Georgia. I, I wrote that in a column that I, happened right after the commitment. Um, there's not a lot of way to spin it because in my mind, Justice Haynes was option 1A on the board, and uh, you felt pretty good about that. Now moving forward at running back, you've got some question marks. I, I think that Richard Young is going to see his stock continue to soar on Georgia's board. Uh, he's a, a real priority for them throughout this, but it, you know, even more so important now. Uh, Jeremiah Love's a guy I would watch out for. Jeremiah Cobb, an Auburn commit, is another name that you'll probably want to monitor. Right now, I think it has the feel of maybe going uh, toward the transfer portal and looking there as well. Um, it, it's just hard for me to project a name there. And, and in my mock class, I went back and revised the running back position, and I said I think transfer is the route. It won't surprise me if they get a 2023 guy, but I would be, uh, you know, just kind of throwing darts if I gave you a name right now as to who I thought that would be. Yeah, and this is just total speculation, but if I'm, you know, imagining Bama negatively recruiting against Georgia at that position, you know, they do have Branson Robinson who is going viral in, you know, Nick Chubb uh, type fashion right now, just based on his photos of his physique like Nick Chubb did when, you know, he was still, you know, between high school and college. Same thing's going on with Branson Robinson right now because he looks like he's cut from a, a block of granite. And Andrew Paul as well. You know, if I'm Bama, I'm, I'm looking at that, I'm saying, you really think you're going to, you know, even crack that rotation? And you also have the factor of, you know, maybe he's a kid that just wanted to carve his own path. You know, that's just total speculation on my part, but I can see why it would happen. But all that said, it still surprised me too. Um Last thing for you before I let you go, Palmer and I spoke last week, basically right after Kirby Smart got his contract. How much do those things impact and affect recruits? Do they care about that? Do they look into that as you know a sign of stability, or is that more uh, overblown than the reality would would uh, you know suggest? You know, I do think that there's an appeal there. I mean, it provides some solidity. It provides a, a kind of a clearer vision of the future. But, you know, I think more so kids are interested in their positional coaches. I mean, you know, you're going to spend time with Kirby Smart, but if you're a running back, you're going to be spending a lot more time with Del McGee and, and Scott Sinclair as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it's your positional coach and those weight room guys that I so often hear kids mention. Um, you know, head coaches are impactful, but they're CEOs of the company and, you know, you're working with your manager most of the time. So I think that, um, it, it, it helps, uh, you know, certainly it's a lot better than the alternative, uh, and wondering, you know, uh, what the future holds. I mean, you know, uh, God bless Brian Harson. I don't know how he's selling anything at this moment, but I, I, you know, I think it's a tough, I, I think, I think it would be a much tougher hill to climb if, uh, you didn't have that in place. Uh, Georgia not going to have to worry about that for uh, a long, long time at this point. All right, Jake, uh, what you got going on over at DogsHQ.com uh, as we head into the weekend now with a lot of big visitors uh, on campus once again for the Dogs? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend, I think, for Georgia. You know, we weren't quite sure how it was going to shape up for them. Um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys to see a lot of campuses. And so, um, 
you know, it's starting to slowly come together. You know, Ellis Robinson will be back on campus. That's one of the top 10 players in America for the 2024 class. And a kid who's proclaimed Georgia his leader in the past. Alabama may have an edge there at the moment, but you got to think that uh, getting him back on campus will be a big help to Georgia as well. So make sure to get over to Dogs HQ. I'll have a, a list of, uh, you know, the guys that we're expecting to see there and uh, have you covered on all the things uh, recruiting this weekend for sure. Cool. Yeah, definitely don't miss that. Uh, every weekend in Athens is a good one. Jake, I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon, my man. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, uh, on to current team news. Uh, appreciate Jake's insight on the recruiting trail. Now let's check in with Palmer Toms, Dogs HQ's Georgia beat writer. Palmer, we are locked and loaded, ready for camp in Athens. We just found out that uh, August 4th on Thursday will be our day to talk to the team. We just spoke with Kirby and a few players, obviously, at SEC Media Days. But let's focus to real football and look ahead to that. Uh, what are your most uh, circled storylines or players or things that you can't wait to see unfold uh, between now and, and Georgia kicking off against Oregon? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's several position battles to watch here as fall camp unfolds. Um, you know, quarterback folks are going to want to see how those backups are coming along, but I don't think that that's necessarily a position battle. I think that's Stetson Bennett's job to lose, uh, and, and it's that him he's not going to lose it with anything he does in fall camp. Um, to me, though, I do think it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, looking at the offensive line, the guys that are going to be protecting Stetson, um, or whoever's behind center, um, you know, the, those two guard spots are certainly ones that I'm watching. Uh, you know, I, I think Warren Erickson being included on several of these preseason All-American, All-SEC, uh, you know, watch list type things uh, certainly raises an eyebrow for me because, I, you know, I think that he has to win his job still. Uh, there's no certainty that he's going to be a starter uh, for George on that offensive line. Started 14 of 15 games last year, all 14 after Tate Ratledge got hurt in the season opener. Uh, Warren Erickson was pretty much George's right guard last season, um, with the exception of the one drive that Ratledge started and played against Clemson before being hurt. Um, but as we mentioned, Tate Ratledge, I think that's somebody that you got to watch in that guard competition. He's obviously coming back off of his injury. Kirby said that that's going to take some time, but I do think that that is something uh, worth watching because I think that he he won that spot for a reason last year, uh, and he can make a push there. Um, you know, the, the other two guys, there's there's two guard spots open um, and, and four guys really competing for those two spots uh, because I think guys are pretty interchangeable on which side they can play. Devin Willick and Xavier Truss are the other two that I would watch. Um, my gut feeling, it would be that Willick uh, and Ratledge are probably going to be on the sidelines to start the game against Oregon on September 3rd, and that it's going to be Erickson and Truss watching, starting for Georgia. Um, you know, I, I think that those are probably the two most veteran options, the two most experienced proven options. Uh, Truss came in and played in place of Erickson some last season has started a big game against Cincinnati that started that one at left tackle um, back in 2020. 
He's got experience. He's proven. He's a big option. And then Warren Erickson is just a reliable guy. So that's one position battle I'm watching on offense. Uh, you know, flip things over to defense. There's, there's, you know, numerous that you could watch there between inside linebacker guys on the defensive line having to step up, second cornerback, second safety. Um, you name it. There's probably a position battle, and that's just what's going to happen when you're losing, uh, you know, seven starters and eight major contributors on that side of the ball. Yeah, the preseason list cracked me up just because I always like to go back and look at the list from last season and see you know, who made it and who didn't, you know, obviously you can't predict a guy like Brock Bowers. Some people did, you know, I remember David Pollock talking about Brock Bowers being a huge contributor, uh, before that Clemson game, uh, with Darnell and, uh, you know, Georgia's injury issues at, at tied in last season. Um, and lo and behold, Brock Bowers becomes the SEC freshman of the year. Uh, but save, you know, unicorns like that, there's always going to be, you know, you're easy to predict players, and there's going to be ones that we never see coming. I mean, I look at Trayvon Walker last year. You know, he, he becomes the number one overall draft pick in the NFL, and I think he's a second or third teamer in the, in the preseason rankings from a, from a lot of, you know, all SEC teams. So it's kind of a crapshoot, but there is somewhat of a basis uh, to look at, but but when you think about guys that aren't getting that love, aren't getting that recognition, do you have your eyes on anyone that you know is flying under the radar? But but by the end of the season, they are on an All SEC team. You know whether it's first or second or third. Yeah, I go back to the offensive line. Um, you know, and, and submitting my All SEC ballot last week, I was very surprised that Broderick Jones was not an option. Um, you know, at, at one of those offensive line spots. Um, you know, he's certainly somebody that folks are high on. Uh, you know, he, he's shown up on a lot of these preseason, all SEC magazine type deals. Um, you know, the, the pro football focuses of the world, but wasn't an option for us media members to vote on uh, after SEC media day. So that's somebody that, that could surprise. Uh, and, and then I think somebody like Warren McClendon, uh, is somebody that I was surprised that was not on the uh, watch list for the Outland Trophy, but was named an All SEC player. You kind of got, you know, one guy that was named All SEC but not on the Outland Trophy in in McClendon, and one guy that was on the Outland Trophy watch list but not possible to be named All SEC. Um, you know, I, I thought those two those two offensive tackles for Georgia certainly uh, could raise you know could raise some havoc this season. Um, you know, I, I think on the defensive side of the football, um, you know, I was surprised to see Jamon Dumas Johnson on the uh, Butkus Award watch list. I think that's just a testament to what Glenn Schumann has done with Georgia's linebackers uh, and, and the faith that everybody has in that position. This is a kid that, you know, played a good bit last season, but not in, in major minutes, uh, you know, more in mop-up duty than major minutes. And, and, you know, when he was in, he impressed, but... Uh, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't going against the, you know, first team offense, uh, you know, or, or wasn't going against the, the best competition. Um, so I, I think he is going to have a one heck of a season. Um, just put up a story over on Dogs HQ about Nolan Smith talking 
about some of those defensive stars that could be up and coming. Uh, and, and he named Jamon Pop Dumas Johnson, uh, you know, as one of those guys. Going to be a leader. Um, you know, I, I, I talked about quarterback of the defense in a mailbag uh, this summer, and, and somebody asked me who, who I thought the quarterback of the defense was going to be. Um, there were c- kind of two guys that I named, and it was Christopher Smith, uh, who is receiving a lot of this recognition, who is receiving the praise that he deserves. Um, but I think Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to have to be in that kind of role um, as, as he, one of the inside linebackers that's going about replacing a trio of guys that were taken in the first three rounds, but no, most notably replacing the guy that was Georgia's heart and soul of that defense, uh, you know, the, the vocal leader, uh, just turn on the tape from the national championship game, N'Kobe Dean. Um, so, I, you know, Jamon showed, did, did, did not uh, show up on an all-SEC list, did show up on a Butkus Award watch list. That was a little bit surprising, but... Uh, you know, maybe to the national eye, you know, raising, saying, who is this kid? You know, whatever. Um, you know, I think that people see that Georgia name associated with a linebacker and just assume that he's going to be pretty good. Um, I, I agree here, but I was surprised to see him, uh, you know, not knowing that he hasn't played all that much. I was surprised to see him on a Butkus Award list. Um, and, and then on the defensive line, uh, I, I think guys like Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse, uh, some of those guys are getting overshadowed a little bit by Jalen Carter. Uh, it, it can't be a one-man show for them up front. And so some of them, uh, the, the guy that I probably circle the most to be a breakout player would be Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Um, again, I go back to what Nolan Smith said. He pointed uh, Ty Ingram Dawkins uh, out as a uh, breakout player. So you know, he, he's somebody that Georgia has, like you, you mentioned Trayvon Walker here just a few moments ago, Georgia has to replace the number one overall draft pick at defensive end, and I think Ingram Dawkins is, is going to be one of the guys uh, that could do that the best. Over at DogsHQ.com, you have a, a premium series going on, and uh, definitely encourage you all to check that out if you aren't already. Uh, got a seven-day free trial over at DogsHQ.com. For our premium uh, subscription uh, info and, and columns, uh, recruiting intel, but Palmer's working on a 22 for 22, uh, the most important 22 players for Georgia in the 2022 season. Uh, what have you learned since we spoke last at SEC Media Days? Whether it's something you've, you know, discovered working on 22 for 22, or something that you've you know, listen back to from SEC Media Day's coverage. Uh, what are, you know, one or two things that have really jumped off the page at you as you prepare for Georgia to start its 2022 season? Yeah, Wes, I think there's a lot that has jumped off the page from the 22 for 22 series. It's always interesting to go take a look at the entirety of Georgia's roster and, and try and figure out who some of those guys that are going to be super important are. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're at number three today, went up today as we record this on uh, Wednesday. Um, number two and number one will finish out the week here. Um, and, you know, number three was Stetson Bennett, um, you know, and who was certainly a topic of discussion at SEC Media Days. Um, so there's a way to tie in both of the questions that you kind of ask there. Um and, you know, I, I think Stetson is going to be important for multiple reasons. I think, you know, first of all, he's he is the person that directs this offense. Um, he's very comfortable in that role. 
Um, you know, he has established a comfort uh, with both the coaches and the receivers. Um, I, I think everybody trusts him now. Uh, more so than they did probably this time last year, uh, because you look at it, and, and I'm writing this for a story later this week. Uh, you know, you look at it. Stetson Bennett's past at this time on the calendar, mid July, late July, as you make the turn into fall camp. Stetson Bennett has never been better than a backup, and that came in 2019 when he was a backup to Jake Fromm just because Georgia didn't have any other options. Justin Fields had left for Ohio State. Dwan Mathis was on, on the mend from a you know brain cyst surgery uh, that, that happened in May. Um, they did not bring Stetson Bennett in, probably planning to have him as a backup. He was probably more of a third-string emergency quarterback option. And he didn't play all that. He wasn't asked to play all that much. Um during that 2019 season. Uh, but I remember he came in during the SEC championship game. I think Jake Fromm had gone down for a third down or something, um, and, and maybe a helmet popped off or something. But yeah. Stetson, Stetson, Stetson came was in not ready for that moment. <laughs> and was not ready for that moment. Uh, you know, I, I think that that is something that can only be learned with experience. Uh, and, you know, you look at what – Stetson brings to the table, and he is one of the most experienced quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but in the country. Uh, you know, having had starting experience in 2020, in 2021, uh, you know, playing in big games. Georgia is comfortable with what they have in Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, I don't have him number two or number one uh, on my most important players uh, because you could make the case that Georgia gets to where they got to last season without Stetson. Um, I probably wouldn't try and make that case, but I think that you could. Um, you know, we, I, I've seen a message board thread uh, over on the dog walk uh, message board, and the, you know, people are asking if JT Daniels had been Georgia's starter, do they win the national championship? Uh, there's certainly a lot of back and forth there. Um, but you know, there's a world where Stetson never sees the field last season, and Georgia has that same kind of success. So I think he's incredibly important. Bronze isn't too bad, uh, but I don't think that he is Georgia's most important player. Uh, I'm not going to give that away on here. There's, there's certainly two options that stand out from the rest. Uh, Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers are, are, are going to be uh, those top two players. I'm not going to give it away in which order, though. Uh, I'll, I'll bring you all back to the site there. Um, but certainly been a fun series. Uh, the position preview series has also been great. And uh, looking forward to wrapping both those up this week and, and turning the page to uh, fall camp. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, how those top two shake out. Appreciate it, Palmer. Um, for our YouTube viewers, we'll wrap up here. Uh, we have uh, other videos from Tim Tebow, Andy Staples, DJ Shockley on our YouTube page. Uh, those will be on the audio-only version of this show right after this quick break. So stay tuned for uh, those guys as um, we discuss the dogs from SEC Media Days and hear their thoughts on the upcoming season. Uh, YouTube listeners, thanks for watching. We'll catch you next week. Audio only. Catch you in a couple minutes. So here, Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim, I work for the Georgia site for On3. Um, but I also co-host a podcast with your guy Marty Smith. So hopefully, love that guy. Hopefully, the Georgia thing it's not can, too you big can a overlook video. that. Yeah, that's what Grace uh, is for. So, 
Tell me about your thoughts on Stetson Bennett, because I know like people are doubting him, even yeah. Georgia fans. But what makes him work in Georgia's offense? Well, I think first of all, when you talk about Stetson, I think you have to talk about his belief in his heart. You know, his belief in himself, and very other, very few other people believe in him. And his heart, I think, it's just so much bigger than his size. And um, if you look back last year, I was one of the few believers in him. Um, you know, that yeah, I thought he was the right guy for the job because the way his teammates responded to him. And um, I think that matters. And, you know, that's so much bigger than just a height or a weight or an arm strength. And um, I think that's important, especially when you got a team that is really talented, but also needs to remember to be a team first. That's something Kirby's done such a good job of. And I remember just interviewing um, some of the guys last year and you're asking them questions about, okay, y'all are competing for who has the most tackle. I'm like, no, I want to take the most blocker so he gets a tackle. And you're like, wow, that's a team full of a lot of really good teammates. And I, I think Stetson is, is one of those good teammates. And I think that matters when you have a team full of alpha males that they're all playing as one, not just you know, as one individual, but as one team. Gotcha. Um, so last one for you, because now we've got to kind of wrap it up here. But looking at the Georgia-Florida rivalry, Every few years we talk about maybe moving it out of Jacksonville. Can you imagine that game anywhere else? I don't want to there? personally. I think maybe if you brought it home and home for a year or two, but gosh, I love it in Jacksonville. I'm biased. I'm from Jacksonville. I still live in Jacksonville. I love having it there. I think it's great for the city. I think it's it's awesome for, for Georgia fans to come in and hang out and do everything and, and you know, St. Simons <laughs> Island, Amelia Island and all the and all the gators come down and I mean it's just the environment is unlike anything else in college football why would you not want it right like you get a lot of home games you get road games but that's the only one of its kind that either one of these you know fan bases will have and either one of these teams will have and so I don't know I, I think there's a lot of reasons to keep it I agree I'm with you Kirby Smart might not agree but but I do I appreciate it Wes thanks man appreciate it man okay. all right <laughs> uh, Andy Staples, let's start off. Just plug your podcast right off the off The, the Andy Staples Show. Go. I know what the initials spell. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so we're just kind of chilling here. You've been waiting for Will Levis. You're trying to you know, talk to the cats. I don't really talk to Will that much, but I think when you're looking from a Georgia perspective, and that's all I do, mm -hmm. who's second in the East? And I can't help but get past those wildcats. It is a great question, I, and I think the who's second in either division question is the more interesting question in the SEC. But I'm with you on Kentucky. I just, the consistency they've had under Mark Stoops. And then you look at the recruiting over, over the years. It is, is ramped up. They are in on better prospects. You, you look at who they're beating out for, for mm -hmm. guys, and it gets better and better each year. Now, the one thing I worry about with them is losing Wondell Robinson because he was so much of their offense last year. And you can go back to like the Florida game. He makes the he turns a, a very short pass into a huge play. And then because they're so good running the ball, because they're they're solid defensively, they just sort of take the air out of the ball mm -hmm. the rest of the game. Can they do that this year? Are they gonna have somebody who can make that play that gets them enough points to where they can just sort of sit back, let Chris Rodriguez run the ball and run out the clock. Now, I will say with Levis, if you talk to the scouts you know, you, you, they love him. Oh, they can't I mean, get enough of the him. arm talent is there. Mm -hmm. So perhaps they just find that with a bunch of other guys. Yeah. And, and he's just distributing. 
I just I look back to last season, and I know you can't really compare things like this game to game, season to season. But like when I look at Tennessee, Georgia had a flu game defensively. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they got Hendon Hooker benched in Knoxville. Yeah. And Kentucky came into Athens and kept it within like seven or ten points at halftime. So I look at the program. I know there's changes between both of them, forward or backward. But Kentucky looked more ready, I would say. Well, I, I think Kentucky is further along its, in its evolution as a program. Mm-hmm. I think Tennessee, we're going to need to see a little bit more. And, and Josh Heupel is probably going to need some more time to build that roster up defensively. Offensively, the system they run, if they got a quarterback, they're going to be able to, to move the ball on most teams. And I think Hendon Hooker is, is a very good quarterback mm-hmm. for that offense. You know, they actually have Joe Milton, who if you watch Joe Milton in practice, you're like, this is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But he tends to overthrow folks in the games, and, and Hinden Hooker doesn't. He does what you need to do. He gets the ball out on time. That works. But they're going to have to get better defensively. And that's where everything that happened at the end of the Jeremy Pruitt era and that mass exodus yeah, that from the roster just kills him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Stetson Bennett, the talk of the day was his lack of respect. <laughs> Kirby Smart was asked about it. He he really is. Um, I think with all the quarterback rankings we see in the offseason, you can either rank quarterbacks like in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. How good are they? What kind of arm talent do they have? But you can also rank guys based on what they do in their system. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a better fit. Or maybe it's all on Todd Munkin, but Stetson and Todd Munkin are like a match made. They work great together. And I, I think here's all you need to know. For two years... They tried to find anybody but Stetson, mm-hmm. and he kept being the best option. At some point, can we just admit he's good? Like, I'm not, I don't care about him as an NFL prospect. I realize if we ranked the players as NFL That's prospects, all anybody cares about like you're looking at Will Levis and <laughs> yeah. uh, Anthony Richardson, who, who's only started a couple games, right. you know, he, like, wow, he's 6'5", he's 240, he can throw, you know, throw the ball a million miles an hour. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Can you do what Stetson Bennett did at the end of the national title game? Can you drop the ball in the bucket when your team needs a score? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what matters. And will Stetson Bennett be a successful NFL quarterback? I feel like I can go out on a limb and say no. <laughs> but that's take, okay. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. His job is to win games at Georgia, and yeah. he seems pretty good at that. Last one for you. Play ball at Florida. We're looking at the SEC realignment. You know. By the way, everyone's forgotten about that. In oh, the yeah. Landscape of the NIL scheduling and, yeah. and the super yeah. conferences now. But when I look at Georgia, I mean, Florida has to stay on the schedule. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, beyond that, Auburn has to stay on the yep. schedule. If it's a rotation like that where there's a third permanent opponent, you know, who do you want to see Florida play? And, and who do you feel like Georgia? That's play? a really interesting question because I, I think you actually have to do that with some competitive equity in mind. And there's mm-hmm. one school I can point to in the SEC because they seem to be beloved as a rival by everyone. You could totally screw Auburn if you wanted to. You could. Because Auburn's going to have Alabama and Georgia. And if you wanted, like Florida would love to have an annual series with Auburn again. That was one of the fans' favorite series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LSU would probably enjoy playing them every year. Tennessee had, a, had an annual series with Auburn for decades before the divisional split. Everybody would love to play Auburn, but you can't do that to Auburn. Like, I think you have to give Auburn Vanderbilt. I don't know. I think I think I'd be okay with that. I, I'm I'm aware of that, but but <laughs> yeah, you, 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 he doesn't care for Auburn. Uh, but but you got to give Auburn Vanderbilt because that 
you're killing them any other way. So same, th same <laughs> Auburn, thing. Auburn fans are like, yeah, that Vandy rivalry is our biggest rivalry. Listen, they just want to go to Nashville every other year. That's right. They're, they're, they're fine with it. But for Georgia, you obviously do have to have Auburn and Florida. I would like to see South Carolina be their third. I think that would be fun. South Carolina will get up for that game. That'll South be a, a massive game for them. When you know, before South Carolina joined the SEC, yeah. when they would play Georgia, it was you know the biggest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I remember early in their their tenure in the SEC, the Brandon Bennett over the top between the hedges, like mm -hmm. they that's a that's a historical game for their program. So I, I think it would be good for both programs, neighboring states. I, I worry about Florida. So they're going to have Georgia. The question is, do you have Tennessee? Because Florida-Tennessee is a rivalry. I don't is, see how it works. Is a, when you look yeah. at the grid. It's a product of the divisional split. Because there's Vandy. Yeah. Tennessee's got to keep Vandy. Exactly. Because they're and they got to keep Alabama. they got to keep Alabama and they got to keep Florida, I think, right? So I think. After that. Yeah. So, so, well, well, Florida. So, so you have Florida with Georgia and Tennessee. Do you keep LSU? Which has been a an annual rivalry for a long time. Yeah. They both hate each other, but not in the way that not in the hate each other where they, they love to play each other. Like they just they hate playing each other yeah. too. Both schools would like to see that rivalry end. So that would be one where you can have some flexibility and maybe do something weird. Like give them Oklahoma. Yeah. Who who else wants to see Florida Oklahoma every year? The Stoops Bowl, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. All right, Andy. Thank you, man. There's there's a lot more going on in college football that we can't even begin to predict, but yep. I think this is a good start. I like it. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me... All right, Shock and Ship back together again at SEC Media Days 2022. Uh, here with my QB1, <laughs> DJ Shockley. Uh, Shock, we've heard Georgia speak at SEC Media Days now. Kirby, Stetson, Cedric Van Pran, Nolan Smith. Um, I couldn't help but really appreciate what Kirby had to say today about defending that national title. The quote, the mic drop quote from Kirby about Georgia not being hunted, mm -hmm. I feel like was the line of the whole day. It was, and I think it's spot on because a lot of people feel like when you win a national championship, obviously all the eyes are on you. Everybody wants to beat you. Now everybody's circling you on the calendar. And he looks at it like, no, we're still circling everybody else. We still want to be the attacker, the aggressor going forward and not be teams that just sit back and say, all right, we're going to live on our laurels of winning a national championship. He still wants to be hungry. Like he said, there are a lot of guys that are still hungry right now trying to prove that they belong. And I thought it was a good point he made of, hey, last year's team, that's those guys. It's a totally different team with a totally different attitude. It was really refreshing today, too, to just talk about football. There's been so much about NIL and oh. Yeah. conference expansion and all that and you know there were obviously questions about that but I think everybody's excited to just see some real football um, what what was your biggest takeaway from a football standpoint whether it was from Kirby or the players that came today you know what I, I just think it, it's all about each team when you come into this point feeling like they can win each team feels like all right we've done all the proper things we want to do in the offseason we've you know kind of had the camaraderie, we've been together, we have started new, we got some new guys in new spots, we got old guys coming back, but each team feels like they're going into this season feeling good about where they are right now, which is, you know, how you should feel going into a season, which a lot of teams are, but I think there's more teams coming in with less questions than we have in the past. There are a lot of uh, good quarterbacks in this league. Uh, I remember a couple years so ago, many. a couple years ago, you were like, oh man, you only got one or two returning guys, but now you got so many good quarterbacks coming back, so many top-notch players and you got some really good coaches in this conference that's mm -hmm. going to make it fun 
Speaking of quarterbacks, um, you know, Stetson obviously not getting the respect that he feels like he deserves. Kirby actually went on the record. He's like, y'all, y'all are not respecting my QB here, right. and I don't get it. Um, I personally feel like it's a product of Stetson's not your prototypical guy. A lot of these guys in the rankings are, mm -hmm. but I don't know that there's a quarterback offensive coordinator combo that's what really should be ranked yeah because if you have that Stetson's not outside the top four or five in college football yeah no doubt about it I mean I think you look at what he did last season the things that he's had to overcome and I think the number one thing about Stetson he's efficient man uh there are a lot of things that he does in games that never shows up on the stat sheet there's so many things that he does to help his team win a ball game or get into a good play uh, there's so many times where, you know, I'm on the sideline and I'm talking to certain players and they're like, all right, he just changed the play to this. And you see a big 30-yard run and everybody talks about the big run or the blocks up front, but Stetson got him into that position. So I think him and Coach Monken being together these last few years is huge. And you bring up a great point about having that kind of offensive coordinator and that kind of, you know, player that know each other. And I think Monken knows Stetson's weaknesses as well as his strengths. And that's what makes him really good and makes that combo good. Last one for you. Why did Nolan Smith come back and not enter that NFL like historic exodus like everyone else? I think the biggest thing, he, I heard him talk about today, and uh, you got to commend him for it. I think he talks about just being able to get that degree, getting that paper. He, he, he mentioned three or four times his mom and how important she is and the importance of getting his degree, but also wanted to be that leader that came back and you know did it again. Wanted to be a guy that can prove it by his actions and not just talk about it but I think the biggest thing is him getting that degree and then also leaving that legacy of my last year as a senior doing the way I wanted to do and going out of style. Awesome. A man of style and taste, DJ Shockley. Thank you my man. You got it bro. All right uh, thanks again for listening to Dog Walk Talk. Thanks again to Palmer and Jake for their insights on the team and uh, the new dogs that are committing to join the fold in the class of 2023. Everything heating up uh, as we lead into the season with the current group of dogs and a group of future dogs as well. And we have it all covered at dogshq.com. If you're not a subscribed member, check us out for free for seven days. Uh, I promise you will enjoy what you see up there. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.